What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Badgers. Great show today. We're talking John Garcia Jr., uh, Keon, Kion Barry Johnson, a big-time defensive end prospect, a big-time receiver prospect. we got a lot to talk about today with John Garcia Jr. on Locked On Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers, one of your first listens every day, covering the Badgers every single day. Really do appreciate everybody tuning in. Excellent show today. I'm your host, Ryan Herrings. We got John Garcia Jr., Lockdown's recruiting insider. And John, I don't know if you heard the intro. I, I always mention your name in the intro because I've learned more people continue to watch if I mention John Garcia Jr., if I drop the name. So as always, my friend, thank you for joining. Really cool to to hear that, and uh, it's been cool to interact with some Badger fans on on social as well. All thanks to you, so it certainly works both ways. No, I'm excited, man. We got a good show today, so I want to start with Kyle Barry Johnson. We talked kind of briefly about him, but it was in a segment with quite a few other players. We didn't really dive into it. He has since committed since you've been on the show. I want to just start here, and just if anyone does needs a reminder, five ten receiver, about 170 pounds, kind of a, a just very quick start and stop, open space type of a weapon, mid three star player. Where does he, in your opinion, at the next level, win when he gets on the field? Anywhere, uh, and I think that's what what makes him fun. Um, I think you you mentioned the size, five ten, one seventy five, whatever it is, but when you've got a great catch radius and you're kind of springy. And you really excel almost in contested catches. I just think it changes the profile of your game as a receiver. So conventionally, you would say 5'10", 175. And he's a good route runner who's very quick. So you're like, hey, that's a slot wide receiver. But if you really take a, a deeper look at this thing, he's got a lot of classic outside wide receiver, wide receiver one type traits in his game, whether it's his after the catch ability and certainly, again, that extension, the ability to go up, the ability to, to work outside of his natural frame with success. He, he wins at the catch point uh, as well, pound for pound, as, as most receivers at the top of the rankings nationally that we've evaluated. So I do think that there's a lot to really like on Barry Johnson. Just last week, uh, he went to the Rivals camp and was the receiver MVP in a camp that was sort of promoted as a wide receiver heavy event in Ohio. So I just think there's there's a lot to, to really take from his game right now and even more to like going forward as it projects in a wide open offense like what we're going to see at Wisconsin. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the rivals comment or uh, the camp, the MVP. I want to talk about that. That's something I want to get into just a little later. I want to continue on the positional thing because, again, everybody sees 5'10", right? And they say, to your point, they say slot receiver, gadget guy, some people will say. Um, and then people talk about catch radius. They talk about high pointing of football. My question with that is how does high pointing of football maybe translate at 510 to the next level, right? Or is it more of the hands that translate? Well, it's both, right? You, you've got to, it's, it's the combination of tracking the football, which is the least talked about, very important trait receivers have to have. Think of a center fielder out there. Tracking the football and timing things correctly with that understanding and awareness of your body kind of all at once. It sounds like a lot to – to put into words, but it's one of those things, Ryan, you either got it or you don't as a wide receiver. Now you can improve upon it, especially the tracking the football element, but in terms of attacking at its high, at its highest point, extending your frame as much as you can towards that process, those are very much instinctive traits 
And we see all of that with, with Barry Johnson. So that, that's why I think he projects more versatilely as a wide receiver than his size would, would otherwise suggest. And, and look, it doesn't mean you can't give him the gadget guy role. I think he would excel in that type of, you know, hand him the ball, bubble screen, uh, slot receiver, two-way go kind of a role. But I do think there's more to his game than than just how he might profile. And, and those traits really show why. I mean, there are great sideline catches, over-the-shoulder catches, high-pointing catches throughout his tape on Friday nights. And this offseason in particular, he's translating it over to, you know, bigger and better DBs. You know, if you want to knock the, the Bolingbrook Illinois competition, he's doing it in the offseason, week in, week out, at camps, at seven-ons, uh, wherever he shows up, he's making plays, and and it's it's making people kind of go back to his tape and, and his frame and say, man, I, I just I just thought he was bigger because he plays that way. I mean, I, I don't want to go too crazy on the positive here, but you think of some great NFL receivers, you think of like a Steve Smith, never a, a height, weight, speed kind of guy, but what what did he do? He was competitive. He was great at the catch point, great after the catch, and was never the biggest, fastest, strongest guy on the field. So he can work, uh, Kion can, in the margins, in that mold. Obviously, that's high praise, but I think he's got some of those uh, traits that that make you, you know, not worry about the size or pigeonholing him into one position in particular. Let me ask you this, because <clears throat> you're very tuned into this. Um, as somebody who like really seems to like him a lot right um clint cosgrove is a rivals guy he loves him too he just won a rivals camp mvp um it seems like the industry experts love his film and they love it when they see him live and then you see a mid three-star ranking is is that again we've talked about this a lot you know the stars aren't everything but they're also not nothing you know where's the disconnect I think when you're you're going to bet on guys, they're just going to look and feel a little bit different here. I mean, if you're going to bet on blue chip wide receivers, they're they're going to fit one of those two boxes to a T. And that's where I say I don't worry about it as much because you're saying, OK, if you're a 5'10 wide receiver and you're going to be a four star, five star guy, you better have some four, three time or 10, 500 meter time that that kind doesn't have at his disposal to sort of balance out what is viewed as an undersized athletic profile. But again, as time has gone on here, I mean, look, Zay Flowers is about to go maybe round one out of Boston College. And there are some similarities here with, with Kyan's game, I think, at the same stage. We're starting to push back against some of those. But look, from, from an NFL draft perspective, and Rivals is in that group, much like 24-7 and on three, where the NFL draft is sort of the North Star of the recruiting process. If you're going to tab four stars on a wide receiver, there's going to have to be another, I don't want to say trick, another element that is very clearly visible and or validated that today Kyan Barry Johnson doesn't have at his disposal. But look, it's, it's late April. There's eight plus months to go in, in this cycle. And I think the more Kion performs – like he did this past weekend and really all off season, eventually he's just going to kind of work his way up the charts to, to some degree. So I, I don't want to take uh, his initial ranking or whatever it is, depending on the outlet as, as the final gospel, there's still a long way to go in the process as well. And then let's, let's go back to that rivals camp. Cause I'm a big fan. If people listen to the show, they hear me talk about data points a lot, right? Um, I think every data point kind of matters, but overall you want a cumulative number of them. How big of a data point is winning 
MVP at a rival's camp as a receiver, especially one that, as you mentioned, had a lot of talent there. What what should fans take away from that? Well, it just kind of reemphasizes some of the points, right? The, the competitiveness uh, and and the lack of staying def- well defined in that in that slot receiver mold. Um, it's just another a proof against those notions to where, yeah, you're a competitor and you're going out and doing it against power five players all over the field and competing alongside bigger, faster, stronger, high, more highly ranked, more coveted, frankly, wide receivers uh, yet. And still, you know, you pull off the MVP honor. So, so I think it's a great data point because those are viewed in a vacuum. It's just about, you know, if it's a Sunday, I think it was a Sunday. It's just about Sunday. It's not about tape on Friday. It's not about your track times. It's not about anything else. It's about today. And today, this was the best and or most consistent wide receiver. And and either avenue you go there uh, is a a strong positive, right? Because I think, again, you start to get into the rankings, games, and all of that. A lot of that is projection. But there's something to be said for a versatile guy whose floor is that much higher. And I think we get a lot of that with Barry Johnson, who quite literally proved as much uh, at that rivals camp. Yeah, that's excellent stuff. And Badger fans are very excited about what I heard someone call him a human joystick, right? He's definitely kind of got that ability in the open field. All right. That's excellent stuff coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about a Badger target that fans are very familiar with, but not necessarily for the football side of it. We're going to talk about that next in lockdown Badger with John Garcia Jr. But first today's show is brought to you by our amazing friends over at Built Bar. Uh, the best protein bar on the planet. I've talked about them a lot. Listen, if you're looking for a delicious snack, but maybe you don't want all the sugar, all the calories, all the all the fat, you just need the best protein bar on the market. It tastes good. It's Built Bar. You have to try it. I, I met, uh, we went on our live meetup um, for the launch, the, the spring game, and I had multiple people come up to me and said, thank you for the Built Bar tip. Like, they're incredible. I eat them every day. And I'm not just reading an ad read. Like, I love Built Bars. The, the cinnamon churro is my favorite. I like the marshmallow puffs. Um, they're healthy. They taste amazing. Ton of protein, 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like the ones I've talked about, but also peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but it's the best protein bar on the planet. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab a four-bar box of built bars, or if you're near Slams Club, run in, get that 13-bar box with our hit flavors, uh, things like, again, brownie brownie better puff, churro puff. You're, are you kidding me? Uh, you can thank me later, Built Bar. All right, let's get back into this uh, amazing conversation with John Garcia Jr. As always, John, we always want to give people an opportunity to, to figure out where they can find you, where they can follow along. Uh, where can they do that? Yeah, John Garcia underscore JR uh, across social media. And like I said, I've I've picked up some Wisconsin followers, so credit to the Locked On Badgers podcast. Uh, again, it's, it's great to to interact with with folks who love the sport and and the future of it as much as we do. So happy to do so again, John Garcia underscore Jr. Love it. Um, let's talk about Daniel Freitag. So the interesting thing with, with Freitag, obviously a basketball football, you know, high level prospect in both sports, pretty unusual there. The Badgers have mostly for, for most of their interaction with Freitag, it's been a basketball thing. Great guards been on them recently, the football staff, and I say recently within the last month and a half or so they received a football offer. So Badger fans are more familiar with them on the basketball side. Um, let's just start with his game and what you like about him on the football side. Well, you can understand why he's he's a coveted basketball prospect. Six foot two, 180 pounds or so. And, and just the overall body control and understanding of where he is on the field, whether he's at wide receiver, or he plays a little bit wide, wildcat quarterback too. All of those traits uh, really feel strong 
uh, on the the feel side of it. We so we talk about instincts, we talk about raw traits, but feel is kind of in between, right? Just kind of what feel do you have? Um, and, and he's a great guard prospect uh, in basketball, so you understand that the feel is really necessary there. So nothing looks overwhelming. Uh, for him uh, positively or negatively Um, but when he does trigger when he does make his decision as a ball carrier as a wide receiver you see just uh, a natural ooze of athleticism uh, coming out of the state of Minnesota that is really intriguing to the point that I'm not so sure he's 100% a wide receiver Uh, I think there's some safety stuff in there Uh, there's some floor general on the court that could translate over to the football field so I think this is a layered recruitment uh, for for this kid to try to navigate because for me it's not only football versus basketball and look typically you know wherever you are more coveted you want to go with that sport and I think basketball is probably still there but football is starting to catch up to a degree so timing wise it'll be interesting to see if he wants to go slower rather than faster relative to a decision but you know that's a story for another day but I think football wise individually there's a lot of strong wide receiver tape uh, but there's some length possibilities that make me think defense a little bit in this conversation as well. Again, legitimate six foot two uh, with, with that great feel and obvious ball skills. So I think a lot of that could translate into a safety nickel type of role on that side of the ball. So there, there's really a lot to like uh, about Fry Tag. And I think obviously for him, he's going to go somewhere to, to college for free. Uh, whether he plays one sport or two, um, there's a lot of possibilities in how that thing can go. So um, I don't fault Wisconsin for courting him on on both fronts uh, as a scholarship athlete because I do think those are the type of elements that will ev- inevitably push one school over the edge in the end. You know, one of the reasons, um, and I, I certainly don't expect you to be intimately familiar with Wisconsin basketball recruiting. Although, if you are, let me know. You can come. I, I am not. I am not. We'll take a step back there. So, Wisconsin on the basketball side, they fans have kind of viewed him as a potential program changer, right? And and a huge amount of athleticism, a ceiling raiser on the football side, does he have, and it's very hard for certainly a safety or receiver to be a a program changer, but is, is he a really high upside player at those type of positions? He is because I think we, again, with the two sport background and we know basketball has kind of been, you know, his first love and all of those things. Um, So if you just casually walk into that conversation, you're thinking, okay, probably more of a finesse guy, a a space guy, but there's, there's some physicality and grit here too. Right. So I I do think there is, there are flashes that make you kind of turn your head like, Hey, maybe, maybe there's more here uh, that, that we're not really digging into, uh, especially after the catch on offense. I think there's some decisiveness that, that he shows as a runner um, and he breaks tackles with, with, without just being faster or, or quicker than someone else. He breaks tackles with leverage and physicality that make you kind of say, Hey, now there's, there's a little bit of toughness and physicality and grit in this kid's game, which again, maximizes the ceiling, whether it's as a guard leading a team into March madness, or, or certainly as a safety trying to combat great receivers or being one of those great receivers that translates anywhere. So I, I think, yeah, the the floor is strong here. You see just that natural athleticism and that feel that we've talked about. But when you when you think about him maybe specializing in one sport for the first time and actually putting all his eggs in that basket from a physical standpoint and how the flashes could then become more consistent and strengths to his game. Yeah, I think from a selfish football standpoint, 
yeah, I think about him playing at 205 pounds at 6'2", 6'3", and being a, a really commanding force on the outside. Of course, there's a lot of upside there. And, and ditto if it was uh, in the defensive backfield. Uh, but you also understand, you know, basketball is its own thing. Individually, you know, there's just a higher ceiling as as a as a a brand, as a if you are a program changer, your face is out there a little bit more than it would be uh, even if you're the Bolitnikoff Award winner uh, in, in college football. So I, I do understand those elements. And that's why typically the non-football sport outside of the quarterback position wins out in, in a lot of these conversations. Yeah, and Badger fans are going to be thrilled to to get him potentially, hopefully, possibly at either spot. So um, that's that's what we're hoping for anyway. I want to really quick segue. I put you on the spot a little bit. This question just came up. Um, for those that don't know, I always send John some stuff beforehand just so we can really be on synced up. But I had a uh, so Garrett Sexton. We talked about him. He committed to to Penn State. Yep. And I had somebody ask, and I thought this would be a really good question for you. Um, can Wisconsin, that's now three out of the top four-ish, five-ish players in state that have left, three of them gone to Penn State. Can Wisconsin win um, from a, a national recruiting standpoint if they're not locking down the state? Can they get those top 20 classes if they don't consistently land the in-state guys? Well, two things. We've talked about one, this state is just so loaded right now. I mean, it's just it's just not typical uh, of of really the entire Big Ten descending, you know, on the state of Wisconsin for talent, but that's what we're seeing in this cycle, which creates a two way street, right? It creates more competition and more enticement for those guys to leave, especially if it becomes a logjam at one position. And the offensive line has kind of been that position where it's like, you know, you can't grab all these guys. Um, right. So I think in a normal cycle, yes, if if Wisconsin wants to be, you know, a top twenty recruiting program or whatever the number is locking down the home state elites, even if there's just a few of them, is, is step one in that process. But when there's more and there's a natural, a national approach, which is my second point, I do think you play a little bit more loosely uh, on that front, uh, especially if there is a log jam at one position. Not to say Wisconsin didn't want Harbor and these, all these guys, uh, Sexton most recently, um, but you do have a little bit more leeway to miss on some of them if you – combat it with great gets out of the region, uh, especially if they're they're bigger gets or, or perceived to be bigger gets down the line. Uh, so we'll see if Wisconsin can do that. But I don't think it's it's as black and white as, hey, we, we got to grab the top, I don't know, five guys in the state every cycle to have a chance. It's it's not that simple. Volume is actually on the plus side of, of recruiting rankings, right? You, you need that volume. So if there's only a handful of elite guys in Wisconsin, it, it might not matter in the end how much that could have affected, you know, the Badgers final ranking and in, in the algorithm or however all of that is, is worked out. So I don't think it's as necessary as it would be, you know, for LSU in Louisiana or for, you know, for Texas keeping kids in, in, in the Lone, Lone Star State. It's not that simple for Wisconsin. But when it is a, a, a year like this, obviously you want to win more than you lose. And, and we'll see how that develops here over time just like we said with uh kind's ranking like it's still april right there's still a long way to go with this process and and if wisconsin hits the ground running on the field now i think you could start to see more of a of a local pull when when the class is a little bit better than we're used to seeing which is exactly the case uh, going into this fall yeah that, that is a really good point that you ended up with there uh luke fickle has not proven anything in wisconsin certainly he's has an incredible track record but 
when you start to see the results, there might be a little bit more of a pull there. That's a great point. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break and come back with John Garcia Jr. Talk about an elite defensive end prospect and where Wisconsin might stand with him coming up on Locked on Badgers. But first, a very quick break for our friends of the show. All right, we're going to bring John back on again. Appreciate everybody tuning in. All the everydayers here with us uh, on the grind, talking Badgers every day. If you're here with us yesterday, you know we were talking about the Garrett Sexton news. Did the Badgers staff mishandle that? If you're going to be here tomorrow, we got Believe with Rajiv coming up. Um, everybody loves Rajiv, so that's coming up tomorrow. But let's get John back on. And, John, uh, and you mentioned it, more of a national recruiting standpoint, maybe going out of the state of Wisconsin for some elite prospects. Let's talk about one of those that Wisconsin's talked to. Uh, he's been on campus. Kellen Lindstrom, 6'5", 240-pound defensive end, coming out of Missouri. So regionally local, but not in Wisconsin. Four-star guy, great offer list. Um, let's start with, as we always do, the film. What do you like about Kellen's game? Oh man, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to like here. This is, I think, some some classic four three defensive end traits in in Lindstrom's game. Um, obviously, when you're talking about um, you know the bloodlines and all of that, it, it does ooze out in, in that sort of classic sense. But I also think um, there's just some natural twitch to, to this kid's game. Um, technically, he's got a ways to go leverage wise. It's a little bit up and down, but. You know, when he sees ball, he can go get ball uh, at a pretty high rate, even if it's a, a across the field, backside, whatever it is. And then if he does have a clear path to the ball carrier or the quarterback, the closing speed really stands out. Um, so if you're strong off the line like he is, you got the motor and the effort and the, sort of the long game from an athletic standpoint. I, I think any school would be uh, plenty happy with having that uh, potential to mold there at the next level so yeah i think technically he's got a ways to go and he'll gain some weight on top of it so i do think he could profile more as an inside out type of, of pass rusher at the next level uh but the raw stuff we see on friday nights is is really strong and again missouri they're churning out d linemen every year it seems like as a state a lot of them end up at mizzou uh and and you, you watch an nfl game and you're like oh he went to missouri i didn't even realize that so um, I don't know what's in the water up there, but I think in this cycle alone, there's three or four blue chip D linemen in particular in the state of Missouri. So it's uh, really fascinating from that regard. But yeah, Lindstrom can absolutely play. Uh, he's one of those guys that you, you understand the blue chip status, high floor and higher ceiling simultaneously. There's just not a lot of that going around. So you could see why that offer list is so strong, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's like Missouri joined the SEC and suddenly the high school started producing defensive linemen. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's weird. Um, you know, you, when you watch his film, and you hit on a lot of this, as you always do when you break down film, you see him in kind of the track stance a lot, you know, but you also see him standing up. You know, you mentioned 4-3 defensive end. Do you think there's some standing up, maybe outside linebacker possibility here as well? Or where do you see him positionally from a versatility standpoint? Yeah, he's certainly comfortable enough to to stand up and, and stay in that regard. I just think the frame is going to tell a lot of that story. There's not a lot of Will Andersons out there who at 265 can stand up and work like a true speed edge rusher. Um, so maybe Lindstrom can, can become that down the line. Um, but I think more conventionally, yeah, he's probably going to gain some pretty good weight early in his collegiate career of course has another year of high school ball ahead this fall on top of that so i just see him more as an as a a four eye type you know again classic four three defensive end who's going to deal with tackles and even guards a little bit more than than tight ends and and slot receivers in space but but again the, the athleticism the running ability is here you know that's what's fascinating about lindstrom because you could really 
push him one way or the other, bulk him up and, and let him be that guy or, or keep him relatively trim with that great six, six frame and length that comes along with it and allow him to truly shrink the edge opportunities of, of your opposition. So it really is a fascinating uh, trajectory and profile as, as time goes on here. How does, how does he mold uh, going forward? You know, he's, he's built kind of like JJ Watt um, who was, you know, a tight end at one point at 240 pounds, obviously things changed pretty quickly uh, once he got to, to the collegiate level. So you could see a physical transformation in that direction or in the modern game, one that is more about maintenance and, and staying trim to to live on the edge if that is where either Lindstrom is most comfortable or where the coaches see him uh, as most effective. Let's finish up here on Lindstrom. Um, quick thoughts on where his, rec his recruitment is, um, how much of a player Wisconsin might be here, and maybe what a timeline is for Lindstrom. Yeah, uh, this is a battle. This is a national battle. Um, Oklahoma, Michigan is in there. Wisconsin, obviously. I think Tennessee out of the SEC is doing a really nice job uh, in this recruitment. I guess Oklahoma is technically SEC. We got to start uh, yeah, getting used weird, to, right? to that one. Uh, on these team now. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On, on these shows. But uh, yeah, Wisconsin's right in the thick of it. Uh, he, he took a recent trip, I believe, in March. Not as well traveled as you would think relative to that offer list. So, you know, schools closer to home are getting them on campus just a little bit more. And I think that benefits of Wisconsin. Uh, I don't see official visits yet on, on the calendar. So we wonder if Wisconsin can grab one of those and, and see where the chips fall thereafter. But he's a prospect that anytime you get him on campus, it's a really big deal. And I think Oklahoma might be profiling as as the primary competition as things currently sit. They, I don't know what connections they have in St. Louis, but all those guys we mentioned, Oklahoma's in on all of them. So mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of traction there with, with the Sooners. But as far as I can tell, I, I do think there's still time left in this recruitment, uh, which is good news for Wisconsin relative to those a little bit more established programs. Uh, great stuff as always, John. Um, make sure you follow John on Twitter. You're, you're going to get smarter because of it. We're smarter because you're on the show, my friend. Thank you as always, and uh, we'll talk again next week, hopefully. Thanks for having me. On Wisconsin, and we'll talk tomorrow.